actually, I'm going to tell on myself that used to, uh, honestly, I would get to church late because I really didn't care about singing the same thing over and over and over again. And so I may or may not get to church on time. This is before I was married. <laughs> and so I would, I would think to myself, it's because they sing the same thing over and over and over again. And then the Lord spoke to me and says, Lynette, how often do you speak those things over yourself through the week? Well, not at all, actually, Lord. (laughs) And so (laughs) God began to show me how important engaging in worship was. And it wasn't that the worship leader didn't have anything else for us to say. So they would just make us say the same thing over and over and over again because they didn't have any other music. It was that if I was saying the same thing over and over again, that eventually my mind would get it and it would sink in. (laughs) And that was what God began to minister to me was if the only time that you are speaking to me and that you are repeating what I say about you is during the worship in church, then we'll repeat it as long as we need to. Noted. (laughs) Noted, Lord. (laughs) So anyway, this morning, this last song that we were singing, man, there's so much. The first song reminded me of a season in my life not too many years ago where I felt like that there were things that were coming at me that I could not control, that there were things that were being said that were not true, but I couldn't do anything. The Lord had told me, be still, you be quiet. That is hard. I th- I don't know because I've never uh, been in your shoes, but men, I think that's harder for women than it is for men, for a woman just to practice the ministry of shut up. <laughs> um. But it was during that time that I uh, I was kind of joking about it last week, but I found a plaque at Hobby Lobby, and it had a, a scripture on it from Exodus chapter 14, and it was uh, when God was speaking to Moses, and he said, you need only to stand still because I will fight for you. And it was during that season of my life where I was asking God, I just need to know that you fight for me because you're telling me to be quiet and I need to know that you're doing something about this. (laughs) So I want to encourage anybody that needs that word this morning that if you feel like the battle is coming at you and God is saying you need only to stand still and hold your peace because I will fight for you. And in the midst of that, remembering that we've been given a sound mind. That we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And even in the thickest battle, we can still maintain a sound mind when we allow God to fight for us. But that means that we're going to have to trust. Trust is a big issue. Trust is a huge issue. So I just, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your battle, the battle that you wage for us in a realm that we don't see in the natural, but there's so much taking place around us in the spiritual all the time. And that God, you always are victorious, always. It may not look like what we want it to look like in the moment, but God, in the eternal perspective, you are always victorious. So, Father, we surrender the... Okay, I need to tell you this before I invite you to do it. God really prompted me of that several years ago to say, if if I'm going to ask you to do something, I need to tell you what it's going to be so that you can determine with your will as to whether or not you're going to engage in that or not. (laughs) So... I am going to pray, and if you want to step into this, to surrender the things that we don't understand 
the situations, the circumstances, the conversations, the things that we prayed that it looked like God didn't answer the prayer when in fact we know that God hears our prayer and answers our prayer, but the answer sometimes may look different than what we want it to look like here on earth and we don't understand the why. I'm going to invite you right now to surrender the why to God. Because to be really honest with you, there may be some things that you walk through here on this earth that you won't have clear understanding of until you step into the eternal realm. And if you can just settle that and trust God with that, your intimacy and what you can be trusted with will explode exponentially. The peace that you will have will grow exponentially. So I want to invite you to take some sort of action, whether that is opening your hands, putting your hands on your heart, whether it is holding whatever that mystery is for you and then opening your hands and releasing it to God. I'm going to pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. There are things that happen in this world and in this realm that we don't understand. And we know that you are not the God of confusion. We also know that you are always a good God. So in any circumstance that feels confusing or feels like it's not good and we don't understand Father, we place that circumstance, we place that moment, we place that situation under the knowledge that you are good and that you love us. And in the name of Jesus, I choose to trust you with the mystery of that. And I release the need the must to know or the need to control. I release that to you right now in Jesus name. And I simply tell you, God, I don't understand, but God, I trust you. Teach me, teach me to trust you in every circumstance and in every moment. Even when I don't understand God, I trust you with the mystery. And I take a deep breath in. And now blow out and release all of any confusion, any, um, any anxiety in Jesus name. Take another deep breath and breathe in all of his goodness, this freshness and just blow out the weight of whatever it was that you were carrying. Father, we give it to you. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Now I invite you, whether you say it inside or outside, to say, I trust you, God. I trust you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, if you would, just turn to someone... And tell them you are good at trusting God. You are good at trusting God. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's what I'm afraid of. (laughs) Thank you, Royce. I am good at trusting God. If you weren't here last week, then you missed... If you have a clicker, that's one of the things that you you could click that. I am good at trusting God. I am good at surrendering mystery to him. I am good at walking in faith. My dad is good and he loves me good. And you click, click, click with your clicker. If you didn't, if you weren't here, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And you're looking at me like, you're looking at me. (laughs) Oh man, it's good to have you guys here this morning. And I just want to uh, reiterate what has already been stated, but happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. And um, it has come up more than once this week, and so I do want to say it. 
And so it might get a little awkward here, but if I say it might get awkward, then it will really get awkward. So <laughs> we'll just pretend I didn't say that. But anyway, uh, Darren and Rhett are in California, <clears throat> and um, I'm sure they're having a spectacular time. But I want to say this, and I, I'm kind of taking a step out without Darren being here, but... Um, it's come up a couple of times, and so I felt like whenever something uh, comes up reoccurringly and you notice it and it, it comes up, it generally, just take a moment and pause because ask God, Lord, what are you saying to me? Are you showing something to me? When something comes up repeatedly, then ask him, whether it be numbers, whether it be a location or a person's name or a person just comes to your memory, comes to your mind. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, this has come up a few times, uh, within a short period of time. I want to say sitting, standing here on father's day with all of the men in the room. Number one, I honor you for being here today. Uh, and this is no, this is no shame or no diss on anybody. Uh, but Sometimes it could be a thing for men to say, you know what, it's Father's Day, I'm going to do what I want to do today, and going to church isn't that. Can we just be honest? Yeah. Um, you choosing to be a leader, whether you're a biological father, you are a leader in our culture, and there are people that look up to you, whether you know that or not. And um, you choosing to be here today speaks volumes about who you are and your integrity and your character, your commitment to be a man and to lead. Whether you have anyone in your household or not, you are leading. You are leading culture. And so I honor you for choosing to be an outstanding leader and man of God. Along with that, yes, give yourselves a hand. <laughs> Along with that, I do want to say that I do not count it a small thing to be honored to be the mother of this house and to be able to speak into the lives of men of your caliber. I do not take that lightly, and it is a very big thing to me. From the time I said yes to God, I have been told numerous times that I was not worthy to minister the gospel simply because I was born as a daughter of God. And I am so thankful for my husband who stood here on women's night a month ago at the women's meeting and stated that he felt that one of his greatest callings was to empower women to fulfill their call in the kingdom of God. Amen. And I am honored to be married to that man. And I'm honored to march with you, men and women. So thank you for that. All right, that's out of the way. <laughs> All right. Um, last week, we talked about the joy of the Lord being our strength. And we dove into that word joy. And in the Hebrew, that word joy has a connotation and a root meaning to it to be joined to. So in essence, that scripture, what that scripture is saying is that being joined to the Lord is our strength. And that word strength is our fortress, our hiding place, our place of shelter, our place of protection. So being joined to God is our strength and our place of protection. So I want to continue on with that this week because we also talked about who we're joined to that the weaker gains strength from the stronger one. And our words oftentimes, more times than not, give power to something. 
And so whatever we are choosing to give power to with our words will determine a lot of what we're joined to and who we're yoked with. So I'm going to give you a little advance warning. At the end of the service, we are going to reset our spiritual devices. You're with me. (laughs) When you get, I am the most technologically challenged person ever. That is not a bad confession. That is the truth. (laughs) I speak the truth. I am a technologically challenged person who is excelling in the spirit. So what's going to happen is when I get an alert that says you get that little red dot that says that you have an update available. You know what I'm talking about on your phone or uh, if if there's something that comes up on your computer that says that you have an update for your system. We're going to do a system update at the end of service. And here's what's funny is I believe that when I was going over this, I believe that I heard God say, I want to do a hard reset. I don't even know what that means for all of you techie people. But when I heard God say, I want to do a hard reset, immediately he started showing me those little, those little red dots that come up on my phone. And I'm one of those people who is, um, like, uh, it's, it's a thing to me. I can't have any little red dots. It bugs me to have any little red dots. And when I hear these people say I have over 2000 emails in my inbox, that immediately makes my skin crawl. Like I can't, like I can't even, I cannot even think about that. It upsets me tremendously. It puts me in a very unhappy place and I want to start twirling my hair. So anyway, okay. So get your spiritual devices out because as we go through the service today, My phone will tell me that in order to get the new update or in order to download something, sometimes I'm going to have to offload some stuff to make room for the new stuff. So I'm letting you know now, as we go through the service, you may need to offload some stuff to make room for the new stuff that we're going to download at the end of service. Okay. So there's going to be some downloads that are happening through the service. There's, you don't have to wait for me to tell you to press the button now. So we're all plugged in because you know, when you do a download, it says to plug into the power source. We're all plugged into the power source, right? So there's going to be downloads happening during service. I'm declaring that in Jesus name. And so if you get a download during service and you start vibrating, Hey, just touch the person next to you and just spread the love. Okay. So with that, um, I want to start by reading out of Ephesians chapter one and Ephesians is probably, it's probably my go-to when I don't know exactly what to read or, you know, I'm not feeling particularly led to read in, to read in a particular book or something, a particular passage, then I'll just go to Ephesians because it always speaks to me. So Ephesians chapter one, I'm going to start reading in the Passion Translation. Paul wrote Ephesians. And so here's where it starts out. Ephesians chapter one, verse one, it says, dear friends, My name is Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us, so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. According to this passage, here are the things that the word of God declares about you, is that you have been made holy, that you are a receiver of grace and of total well-being, that the love gift 
out of love, a gift was given to you that spiritual blessings have been lavishly poured out upon you. Look at your neighbor and say, uh, my God's not stingy. It's been lavishly poured out upon you. You are seen as holy with an unstained innocence. When you look at yourself in the mirror, when God looks at you, he's not looking at anything else than as a holy person with an unstained innocence. This scripture also tells us that we have the relationship through Jesus Christ to call God our father. That is, that is the greatest, most astounding blessing that we have is that we get to call God, the creator of everything, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, our father. That's pretty wow. That's pretty wow. Look at somebody and punch them in the arm and say, if you don't get excited about that, I will punch you again. Okay. I will punch you hard. Okay. <laughs> All of this is given to us because of who we are yoked with, who we have chosen to join ourselves to. It's a choice who we join ourselves to. And as a Christian, a Christ follower, we have chosen to join ourselves to Jesus Christ. And through joining ourselves to Jesus Christ, we now have access to be joined to God and to be one through Jesus with our heavenly father. And because of that oneness, all of these things that are stated in the scripture are said to us. That is who you are. There's no exception. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you haven't been. It doesn't matter what your education or what your education isn't. This passage of scripture is given to every single one of us. So this is what Paul is writing to us. So I have a question for you is what if we actually believed what God said about us? What if we actually decided to believe what the Bible speaks to us about who we are because of who Jesus is, because of who the Father is? And if we actually chose to believe that, we would see the will and the desire of our Father's heart manifested through our lives. When we choose to believe what God believes about us, we see his heart, his dream, his desire released through our life. The scripture tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And see, we choose to renew our mind to something every moment of every day. Like I was talking about, about singing worship and we singing it over and over and over. I know I'm going to leave here today and that is going to be repeating in my head over and over again. A sound mind, not a spirit of fear. Sound mind, sound mind. I'm going to hear that over and over and over again today. We choose to renew our mind to something all of the time. And we're renewing our mind to either things that are good or we're renewing our mind to things that are negative and are not advancing for us, that are not going to be to an advantage to us. But we are constantly renewing our thoughts or giving our thoughts to something. And as we renew our minds, we're giving our agreement to whatever it is that we're renewing our mind to. And as we give our agreement to that, that agreement then, will come up later as an experience in our life. When we agree with the thoughts that are running through our head, that's why the Bible says to take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. What it's saying is recognize the train of thought that your mind, recognize the path that your thoughts are going down. And if that path is not in agreement with the path that God has established for you, take authority over that and switch the track. Realize this is not what God says about me, so I need to stop going down that track. And what does God say about me? And begin to meditate on that track, because what I renew my mind to will create a future experience. There, you, you could say this. I don't like going to church. I especially don't like going to that church because nobody there is friendly. Nobody talks to me and they don't like me. Those people don't like me there. 
So I'm renewing my mind to that. So I walk into church with the thoughts in my head of nobody there is friendly. Nobody there likes me. They don't even want me there. That is written all over your face. So when people don't talk to you, it's because you look not nice. Because you've been renewing your mind to nobody there likes me. So your face says nobody here likes me. So they read nobody likes you. The things that we renew our mind to and the thoughts that we think play out for us in the future. Whereas I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this is about me. I don't know if I need counseling for this or what, but if somebody is rude to me, like a waitress or somebody that is helping me in the store, if they're rude or they're kind of snippy or short with me, I take that as a challenge. And I decide before I leave here, I am going to be the most favoritest person that you have waited on today. And now it's my challenge to make you love me. You're going to love me before I leave here. And it's my job now to make you have a great experience while I'm sitting at your table. I don't know if somebody needs to pray for me afterwards, you can totally do so. But that is how like my mind says to me, or I think this about Darren. I think if they just knew him, they would just love him. You know, I think that about him all the time. How could anybody not like him? If they knew him, they would love him. That is what I'm thinking. So if somebody is rooted, then in my mind, it automatically goes to before I leave here, you're going to love me. You are going to love me. So I say that to you right now. Before you leave here, you are going to love me. You have to. The Bible says so. Okay. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says that there is no temptation that has overtaken you except that which is common to man. And the greatest temptation that you and I will face is to believe a lie. That is the temptation that we're going to face. It's the same temptation that came at Eve. And the Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. The devil doesn't come up with new stuff. He can't. He's just not that creative. He uses the same thing over and over and over again. He just packages it differently. So the same thing that he came at Eve with, which was to deceive her, to get her to believe a lie, which was, he said that if you will eat this fruit, that you will be like God. Well, the truth was she was already like God. She was created in his likeness and his image. So the devil deceived her into believing that she had to do something to be acceptable and be like God, which the fact was she already was. So the same temptation that Eve faced in the garden from the beginning of mankind is the same temptation that you and I face today, which is simply to believe a lie. But the real gut punch on that is that the devil doesn't stand in front of you and say, hey, <laughs> I got a real line of crap for you today. That's not how he does it. He stands in front of you and he packages it super nice and he tries to present it with a really pretty bow on it to try to make you believe that this is good, that this is true. That's why it's called deception. He doesn't pop up in, in you know, with a little costume on with a red tail and horns. Hey, it's the devil. He comes in a package that is deceptive. So that's the way that he speaks to us. But the lies that come to us that the devil will tell us is that we're a failure, that we're unloved, that we're empty and we don't have anything to give, that we have no value, that we're guilty so that we should be ashamed. This is the exact opposite. All of these lies and any form of those lies are the exact opposite of what was just spoken to us in Ephesians chapter 1. Everything from Ephesians chapter 1 covers all of those lies in any form of them that are presented to us from the enemy. So what I choose to join myself to is what will have power in my life. I can choose to join myself to God and his desires and his heart for me, or I can choose to join myself to an inferior message and therefore it will lead to an ex inferior experience in my life 
It will not lead to God's best for me. In Ephesians chapter 4, going on in Ephesians, Paul writes, Ephesians 4, 1, he says this, As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling. I was just reading Ephesians, and I get to chapter 4, and Paul writes, I am a prisoner of the Lord. He writes, as a prisoner of the Lord, and then he goes on, and I stopped. Because I realized that Paul is writing as a prisoner of the Lord while he is in prison in Rome. Paul is a prisoner of Rome for his joining and his passion for Christ. So as Paul writes and says, I, Paul, an apostle of God, and then he writes, I, Paul, as a prisoner of the Lord, he is writing this as he is experiencing being a prisoner in a cell in Rome. What struck me was that in spite of Paul's experience, his belief was that he was a prisoner of the Lord. Which means that his total surrender, that his total giving of himself is to God. Even though he's a prisoner of Rome. The experience that he's having as a prisoner of Rome did not supersede his belief that he is a prisoner of God. I'm trying to think, are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? His belief was greater than any feeling or experience he was having. And see, there is a tendency in our world and in our culture, I don't know, I don't live in any other cultural so it may be everywhere. There is a tendency that we have to create our beliefs based upon our feelings and our experiences. Paul is demonstrating that his belief was greater than his feeling and his experience. My feelings do not validate truth. They simply reveal what I believe is true. There is a very popular phrase in our culture today that says, well, my truth is this. My truth. That is, what is the word that we learned in English? An oxymoron? My truth is not an actual thing. There is one truth. There is one truth. That truth is John chapter 8 in verse 31 says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach you, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. The King James translation says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So it is no coincidence that our culture, that the spirit of the world has come up with this idea of my truth. Well, my truth is this, or my truth is this, because there is no freedom in my truth. So the spirit of the world wants to perpetuate an idea of my truth, because my truth is subject to experience and feelings which change. God's truth leads to freedom. My truth leads you in a circle wrapped up in your own feelings and your own emotions and being held captive to your experience. Now, there's absolutely my feelings. My truth is a completely different statement than recognizing my feeling. 
when you have feelings, it is not good and it is not healthy to ignore them and to shove them down. Feelings make a terrible leader, but they make a wonderful servant because feelings reveal to you what is being communicated. What is the self-talk on the inside? So when something happens and I have a feeling come up about that, I recognize the emotion that is coming up. I stop and I say, okay, why do I feel the way I feel about that? I immediately get angry about that. Why, why does the emotion of anger, why does the feeling of anger come up when that happens? I immediately feel, okay, here's, here's one. There's, uh, <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> okay. When you have an emotion or a feeling about something, it's very important for you to pause and to recognize, okay, there is this feeling coming up on the inside of me. That feeling does not create a truth. That feeling reveals to you that there is an unsettled place on the inside of you that needs to be addressed, that we need to pull the cover off of and invite God into, because until we invite God into it, that unsettledness and that emotion is going to stay there. So emotions make a wonderful servant to lead us to show, not to lead us, but to serve us into finding out, okay, what is the experience or what is the purpose that I have the feelings that I do about this? Feelings are not unhealthy. Feelings are very healthy when you take time to recognize what you're feeling and cause those feelings then to come into submission to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to help realize why you feel the way you do about something. If a certain song comes on and you immediately have flashbacks to a relationship that happened before you were married, where are those feelings coming from? Maybe there's some soul ties that need to be broken. That's wonderful to know, not to feel guilty and ashamed that you have those feelings, but God, I am happily married. Why do I have these emotions that are coming up? Ah, there's some soul ties that need to be broken from my past. That's a good thing. If you recognize that you have an intense emotion about something, ask, where is the emotion coming from? Invite God into that. And find out if you can't get it, if you can't get to the depth of it, you need to invite somebody else into it. You need to visit with the prayer team. Maybe you need to go to professional counseling. That is where it's important for us to dive into the emotion. And there is such a thing. There's, it's like there's two different extremes because one extreme tells us you need to shove that emotion down and you need to not feel that. We're told that that's not right. You can't feel that way. Well, I do feel that way. But then the other side of it is, well, that is my feeling. That is my truth. That leads you into a continual cycle of captivity to that emotion. And until you recognize where that emotion is coming from, and is that the fullness of the healing that God wants to bring into that situation and into that moment, you're going to continue to be held captive to that because there is no freedom in your truth because your truth is a fallacy. It is God's truth that leads us into all freedom. Okay, I'm getting off that soapbox now. There is power in truth and freedom in our identity in that seat. And here's the thing is that prophetic ministry helps us to break off the tendency that we have to create beliefs based upon our experience and our feelings. Prophetic ministry, prophesy. Who, who can prophesy? All of us. If you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, if you have asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, if you have given your heart to God and says, Jesus, I choose to follow you, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And if you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, that means that you have the gifts of the Spirit on the inside of you. And one of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of prophecy. And the most important person that you will prophesy to is to yourself. And the ministry of prophecy is so powerful in helping us break off that train of establishing our beliefs based upon our experience. 
See, Paul was not sitting in the prison cell and saying, oh, this is terrible. This feels awful. I don't even know if anybody even cares about me in here. You can read the book of Ephesians and you can see what Paul was meditating on. You can see what Paul was renewing his mind to. And granted, he didn't have the leather-bound edition of the New King James Spirit-filled Bible. (laughs) Paul had communication with God. The things that Paul is writing, these are the things that were inspired by the Holy Spirit given to him by the Spirit of God that was written for you and I. So here's the deal is when you and I declare the word, when you, like I was saying last week and I had my clicker and I'm speaking what the word of God says, when you and I declare the word of God, what we are doing is we are prophesying over ourselves. What is prophecy? Prophecy is the declaration given by divine inspiration, meaning that you open your mouth and you speak what the inspiration of God gives you to speak. What is the best way to begin prophesying is to speak the word of God because the word was given through divine inspiration. So when I speak what the word of God says, I am speaking the scripture. I am speaking the scripture that says, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I am speaking the scripture that says I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I speak the scriptures, I am speaking what was given through divine influence, which means that I am prophesying over my own life. I can speak those scriptures over other people. When I can prophesy over myself, I can prophesy over other people. I only and always prophesy in agreement with what God says. You can only prophesy. You're not prophesying. All you're doing is being a clinging symbol and a pain in everybody's rear end. If you're not speaking what God is saying, When you are speaking what God is saying, you are prophesying and we prophesy over ourselves, which causes us to take notice of the thoughts that I am thinking and to recognize where are my beliefs coming from my emotion and my experience and to begin to establish my belief, not on what's happening or my past, but on what God says. Sitting in church isn't enough. Listening to good teaching isn't enough. We can have all of the sound doctrine, but we must develop sound beliefs. Because you may not be sitting in a prison cell as Paul was, but there may be some type of a prison in your life. And that prison cannot be Bigger than your belief in who God says you are. Number one, prophecy helps us to break off the tendency to build our beliefs on feelings and experience. And number two, prophecy helps us to establish our identity in Christ Jesus. Prophecy helps us to establish our right identity in Christ Jesus, because it is words given by divine inspiration, the spirit of God. So when we speak what God is saying, we are declaring his identity over myself and over everyone around me. I begin to hear the voice of God. When I learn to speak what the word says, and I'm telling you, you don't have, you don't have to be able to declare the word from Genesis to revelation. Here's a, you know what a great great tool is Paul didn't have this. We do. We got Google. If you want to know scripture about trust, Google. And uh, there'll be a whole list of stuff that comes up for you. Pick one, just pick which read through them and which one like, Oh, that's so good. You read one and you're like, eh, no diss on God, but it just doesn't speak to me right now. Right? But you find one that does speak to you, write it on a post-it note, put it in the note in your phone, and put it everywhere where you can see it. And every time you see that, that's why I love post-it notes. I love all colors. I love all shapes. I love them all. I have so many post-it notes because I put scriptures everywhere. 
so that when I see them, I speak that out loud so that whatever I am believing lines up with what God believes because any belief that I have that is not the belief that God has is under the influence of a lie. I don't want to be deceived, but I don't know I'm deceived. That's the very nature of deception is that I think it's true because I'm deceived. I don't intentionally wake up in the morning and say, today I choose to follow a lie. Nobody does that. We're deceived into thinking something that isn't what God thinks about us. It's not what God says about us. It's not what God has planned for our future. But when we learn what God says, okay, let me back up. So when we learn what the Bible says, you don't have to be able to quote Genesis to Revelation. Start your arsenal. Start building your arsenal. Maybe you find two or three scriptures that really mean something to you. Maybe an area of your life that you really want to grow strong in is having joy. Maybe another area that you really want to grow strong in is your physical health. Google those two things and then... I encourage you, get, if you don't have a pages Bible, get one. There are so, there's so many different kinds. If you need one, we've got them in, we've got them in our book corner over here. But having that actual paper Bible is so good for you to sit down to highlight. And if you don't have a Bible you can write in, you need to get another one so that you can write in it. Okay. You need to write in it. You need to highlight so that you know where that is. And then... Read the scripture before it and the scripture after it. Then read the chapter. Then read the chapter before it and the chapter after it. Then read that entire book. Then read the book before it and the book after it. Do you see where I'm going with that? And pretty soon you're going to have so many post-it notes and you're going to have your clicker and you're going to be speaking what the word of God says about you. And you are going to be the voice that God prophesies through to release things here on earth. And the more you speak what God is saying, the more you hear what God is saying. If you want to, it's the number one thing that people want to know is how do I hear the voice of God? Familiarize yourself with what he said. That's the best way to hear the voice of God is start reading your Bible. Read that verse, then read the verse before and after it, then read it. Right. So you build the ability to discern what the voice of God is saying. Then your belief is established upon the truth and not a feeling or experience because those things are subject to change. They make a terrible leader. <sighs> I got all, all kinds of off there. I don't even know where we're at. Um, it's all good. <laughs> oh, oh, our words, <coughs> the words that we speak, words are given to us to create, not to describe a situation. We can complain and we can describe something all day long. But if we look in the Bible, the very first use, the first recorded use of words in Genesis chapter 1 is when God declared, let there be light. The very first use of words was to create and it was to make a distinction between light and darkness. That is the purpose of words. God gives us the ability with words to create. And when we create, we partner with him in making a clear distinction in light and darkness. Our words can be used to describe what is, or they can be used to create what can be. And when we partner with God, that's where God is looking for the dreamers because God is looking for a people who are not going to be held to describing what is, but are daring enough to partner with him to use words to create what can be on earth as it is in heaven. And it's not that we're, we're, you know, living with our heads stuck in a hole. It's not that we're denying what's happening. It's not that we're being fake or, you know, well, I'm an authentic person and I don't like to say it until it really happens. Here's the deal. 
we are authentic. We're authentic Christ followers. That's why we're called believers is because to believe it, we have faith and we believe before it happens. I don't have to see it to believe it. I know that God is real. It's just like one of my favorite examples is in the Old Testament when um, Elijah says, go and tell them that rain is coming. And they're in a famine. It hasn't rained in years. They're in an extreme drought. And Elijah says, go and tell them that there's the sound of abundance of rain. Dude, they don't even know what rain sounds like. It's been so long. They're like, are you crazy? And he's like, the sound of rain. He heard before there was even a cloud in the sky. That's what God is wanting to partner with us to do. See, what what if Elijah hadn't spoken that? Would there have been rain? I don't know. That's not the story in the Bible. So we'll just go with the story in the Bible. So Elijah speaks and says there's the sound of abundance of rain. His words of declaring, of prophesying, the sound of rain is coming. How much did that open the door for God to be able to bring the rain? He had to have somebody to speak it forth. However, Elijah was willing to say it before it existed. Did that make him fake or an inauthentic person? No, we're not fake or inauthentic because we're declaring and creating with our words. We're actually partnering with the most authentic and real God that can ever be. That's the exciting part. The world knows the power of words. Have you guys another, another hot cultural term is manifesting. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, when I grew up, manifesting was, I never saw the movie, but it was that, what was the movie where that, somebody's head spun around and they spit out pea soup, you know? That is, that, when manifesting, that's what I thought manifesting was. Like, we're talking about some demonic stuff that nobody, you don't want to see that. Now, manifesting is got a completely different connotation to it in our culture. It is, it is, I looked up, a definition for you guys and manifesting is based on the idea that you can think your dreams into reality and that you can attract your dream into your life. Not entirely false. It's based on a biblical scriptural principle. However, when you try to apply manifesting without the foundation of God underneath it, all you are is that. We're just going to leave it at that. The difference is when you're declaring God's word, you are speaking divine inspiration that has been established for all of eternity, and you are building on the rock. The big difference between manifestation is an empty, hollow counterfeit of prophecy. That's all it is. So if there's a counterfeit, there's got to be a real. How about we tap into the real? See, we can't back off of something because there's a fake happening. We can't give, the enemy wants us to give up that ground. See, the whole thing of dreaming and, and visualizing The church completely gave that up because, oh, that's new age. We don't want to be a part of that. No, actually, that is completely and totally given by God. And the church so backed off of it that the new age movement ran away with it. Now we've got some ground to make up. When you have something that is fake, it's because there's a real. So when you identify the real, you can partner with the power of the real to actually create on earth as it is in heaven with the heavenly father. It's amazing. So when we speak the scripture, when we speak what God has written, what has been written for us through God, what we're doing is we're priming the pump, so to speak. Anybody, does anybody even know what I'm talking about when I say that? I'll let, yeah, like everybody, the, the younger people are in here like, what? <laughs> it's when we do that, we're, uh, 
we're, this is even, this even dates it. I was going to say we're clearing the static out of the station. How many, how many people in here have never even heard static before, right? I remember we were driving down the road and there was a radio station that was doing some, uh, contest to call in, be the seventh caller. And I, uh, gave one of the kids my phone. I said, dial the number, dial the number. And they dialed the number and it was a busy signal. And both of the kids said, what's that? <laughs> Never heard a busy signal before. That was funny. I, was, I had to explain what, and as I'm explaining it, they're looking at me like, what? They still, you know, still, they were little. But anyway, when we speak, when we begin to develop the skill of speaking the word of God, we are developing the gift of prophesying and we start with using the written word as our, as our foundation, as our building point. So when we use the written word and we begin to speak the written word and declare the scriptures, then what happens is we're tuning the dial in very, very clearly so that we are speaking what God is saying. And when we're speaking what God is saying, we're hearing what God is speaking. And so then we begin to hear more and more and more from God. And as we hear more from him, we can release more with him. And as we release more with him, the more we release, the more we're given. That's the cool thing about God is if you want to grow in something, give it away. If you want to grow in the gift of prophecy, give it away. If you want to grow in joy, give it away. If you want to grow in healing, pray for people for healing. That's the whole point of the Insight Lab that's coming up. Again, I'm going to do a shameless plug here. The Insight Lab is all about learning to hear the voice of God for you and for other people. So that you can declare to other people what God says about them, who God says they are. And God is a good God and he has good kids, right? Amen. Um, Romans chapter 15 and verse 13 says this. Now may the God of hope fill you. Let me see. What does it say? Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do I know if I'm renewing my mind to what God says about me or if I'm renewing my mind to a belief that I am holding on to because of a feeling or an experience is because any belief that I hold that leads to more hope is established on what God says about me. Any belief that I carry that causes hopelessness is a belief that I'm carrying that is established on a lie. That is a clear distinction for us to know if I'm establishing and building on feelings and experience or if I'm establishing building on the truth of what God says. The increasing hope indicates that I'm renewing my mind with truth instead of lies and decreasing hope reveals that I'm renewing my mind to lies instead of truth. Paul says, as he's in prison, that he is an apostle of God, that he has been chosen as an apostle. And as he's in prison, he states that I am a prisoner of the Lord. Despite of his feelings, Paul was human. He was just like you and I, human beings. He had emotions. He had feelings. But in spite of his Circumstance, in spite of his situation, in spite of what had been happened to him, in spite of all of the accusations and the lies that were being spoken about him, Paul's statement is, I am Paul, and I was chosen by God to be an apostle. And I am Paul, and I am a prisoner of the Lord. In order for him to state that by divine inspiration, that had to be his belief. Paul believed what he was saying. There's a lot of us that possibly the our self-talk and what we're practicing in our head, the thoughts that are running in our mind are that we're not worthy or that uh, 
We've done something in our past and that my past disqualifies me from doing anything great for God. Maybe, maybe we believe that, you know, that there's things that have been said about me that, uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to believe what other people are saying about me. Maybe there's the belief that, you know, my, my window of opportunity is closed. It's, it's gone. I didn't jump when I should have jumped and now that window of opportunity is gone. And recognizing if those thoughts or those ideas are increasing our hope or decreasing our hope. And if they're decreasing our hope, we have to realize that those are not what God says about us. So here's, here's where it's time for us to take our spiritual devices out. To recognize what God says about us means that we're going to have to let go of the things that we've carried, the beliefs that we've carried about what God thinks about us. Because see, sometimes we think that we're bad kids and that that our father must be angry with us because we've been naughty. We haven't done right or we've disappointed him. We've disappointed other people and we've disappointed ourselves. But what does God say about us? So here's what I want to invite you in to do. Is that God needs us to create space for the new download and the update. So I want to invite you right now to just settle in to this moment. And if that, if you need to close your eyes, the reason I close my eyes is because I get distracted by stuff. It doesn't make you any more holy or less holy if you close your eyes or don't. If you don't close your eyes, it probably means you just have way more focus and concentration than I do. That's all. So I want to ask you, what are the beliefs that you have been carrying that are causing a decrease of hope in your life? What are the beliefs that you are carrying that have been influenced by experience or feelings? And right now, I want to invite you to hit the heavenly delete button and offload that off of your spiritual hard drive. And maybe, maybe there's stuff, but probably there's things that we don't even know about. So a really good prayer in this moment is just very simply, God, if there are things that I am believing about you or about myself that are not true, I'm asking you to delete them right now. And I choose to let go of any lie that I'm believing about who you are and about who you say that I am. I choose to delete that lie right now. And I, I even get a picture right now of stuff. You know the sound that your computer makes when you send an email that makes you feel like you're super productive, you know, like you could fly a plane? Whoosh. Right now, some of you are having that heavenly delete moment take place. Father, in the name of Jesus, and I, I really invite you, if you, you know, if you're serious, you know, hey, there's some stuff that I've been carrying, beliefs that I've been carrying that I know that I'm hearing right now from the Spirit of God that that is not true about my future. I invite you just to open your hands up. If you want to stand, you can stand. This is your moment with God. Whatever, whatever it needs to be with you and God right now. If you need to put your hand on your heart, some of you maybe need to put your hands on your um, on your head, representing putting your, your hands on your thoughts, the things that you're thinking. Father, in the name of Jesus, if you choose right now to give power to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, agree with me in this prayer, that by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we choose to delete all beliefs that are not true about who you are and about who you say that I am. And right now we hit that delete button and we erase and we offload those things and we don't send them to the cloud. We delete them into the abyss to never come back, to never be accessed again. 
we release it and we don't hold on to any residue of that in Jesus' name. And now that we have room, we've made room for what God says about us. So here's what I want to invite you to do now is I want to invite you to download. This is what I tell God this all the time. God, give me a download. Give me a spiritual download. And so I invite you right now to say, Father, give me a spiritual download of truth of who you are. And give me the spiritual download of who you say that I am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now take just a deep breath and breathe in that spiritual download. And let go of anything that isn't true. That isn't true. I didn't give uh, the media team the scripture, so I just want you to listen to this. Matthew 16 and 24, 25 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the disciples were his followers. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is you. If you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. I'm going to say here that if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to reject and disown any thoughts that you have about yourself that are not the thoughts that God has about you. He goes on and he says, and you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. As you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. It will lead you to an inferior experience is what he's saying. And sometimes picking up the cross and surrendering our lives means surrendering what I have believed for a long time and allowing the truth to infiltrate every part of my being, every part of who I am, including my future. Because God does not give me my identity based on what I've done. He gives me my identity based on what I've been created to do. So Father, I receive in Jesus' name all that you have created me to do. And I receive it by faith. I take hold of it. And there is nothing, no circumstance, and no feeling that can take that away from me. If you've never made the commitment, your choice, this is completely and totally under your control. There's not a whole lot in this world that is, but this is. If you've never made the choice to say, God, I choose to follow you. I choose to take hold of your son, Jesus Christ, and him dying for me on the cross and him being resurrected again to give me resurrection life, that my life in him is the best life. If you've never done that through your choice, I give you that opportunity to do that right now. Just right where you're sitting, say, I choose you, Jesus. I choose to lay down my life and I choose to pick up the life that you have given to me. In Jesus' name, that's where your adventure begins. That's where everything starts. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, Alex.